Now the industry is finally interested in you and now you're going to leave. But I did it and it was the best thing I ever did. My manager tried to sue me. My agent was begging me to see a psychologist, psychiatrist, and it was the best thing I ever did. Welcome to the Sell or Die podcast. I'm your host, Jeffrey Gittimer. And I'm your host, Jen Gittimer. Well, in this podcast, we're going to help you attract more qualified, unbelievable ready to buy clients. We're going to help you build loyal relationships. And the one thing you're hoping for, close more deals. Let's get into it. It's time to sell or die. We are joined today by the great Steve Rizzo. He was a little late, but we can't say the late great Steve Rizzo because that would indicate that he is not with us any longer, but he is with us right now. And we're grateful for him. He wasn't late. We were. Oh, yeah. I was. I get late late confused there between him and us. But we should acknowledge to the audience that we're actually friends. And we've been friends for a long, long time. And we respect each other's sense of humor. But we have messages that we need to deliver to the audience today. And they're important. Die hard. You are in for a really good one because Steve Rizzo rocks. Yeah. He, He came to our event in Charlotte. And he was one of the top five speakers. No, top 10. <laughs> top 10. I, I thought I was the top speaker. First. Yeah, you were. First of all, he's one of the top thousand speakers I've ever heard. <laughs> and I think that. No, he, that he was legit. Top. People wanted more Steve. We had to bring him back on stage a second time oh, yeah, in Charlotte sure. because the people wanted more Rizzo. So you are in for something awesome. Get excited. This episode is going to rock. Yeah. So, Steve, how's that for setting low expectations for this event? I like her to give the introduction from now on. The next time we do this. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. God, give me a break. <laughs> no, I'm um, glad you guys have me on because we have known each other for a very, very long time. And how the, long? Oh, wow. She's since the 90, early, mid 90s, early 90s. Yeah. Wow. You used to see it's me crazy. perform Before- at, the Char- yeah, at the Charlotte uh, Comedy Zone. That's when I did stand up. And Before the internet. Yeah, literally. Yeah. So Which Steve, uh, invented, we, Steve Rizzo invented the Internet. I don't know whether <laughs> a lot of people mistakenly think it was Al Gore. It was actually Steve Rizzo who invented the Internet. <laughs> if there's one thing that I would never invent, it took me years to get onto the Internet, let alone inventing it. You know me. I'm not tech savvy at all, man. No. Steve, you're known as the attitude adjuster. You're yes. known as this guy who comes in and helps people improve their attitude. Yeah. Notice how, how Jen got her right back on track. How did you become known as that? Because you started out in comedy, right? I started out stand-up comedy and make a long story short on this segment. At the pinnacle of my comedy career, I made a shift in careers, a career that I knew nothing about, but I knew what I was supposed to do. And I realized when I was doing stand-up, my opening acts, who were Chris Rock, Jerry Seinfeld, Drew Carey, Rosie O'Donnell, a whole slew of other comedians, they um, opened for you? They opened. They were my opening acts. <laughs> and and I, I couldn't understand why my opening acts were getting big breaks and how come opportunity wasn't knocking on my door. It was very frustrating because everyone kept telling me, you're going to be next. You're going to be the next guy. And opportunity was knocking. I found out I was just afraid to open the door. And I realized I had a really profound fear of success and failure. And that fear of success and failure came unknowingly from my negative labels from my past. 
I was voted least likely to succeed in my senior class in high school. I was told by a guidance counselor when I was in eighth grade, 14 years old in front of my mom and dad, that I wasn't smart enough to go to college. And that's why my mom and dad were there. They were supposed to prepare me for the rest of my high school years to go to college. And he said, I didn't have what it takes. The sad truth was is that I believed him. I didn't think it was that bad at that time. I was only 14 years old. But then in my senior class, when I was voted least likely to succeed, by the way, it never made it to the yearbook. It was on a paper that I found in the guidance counselor's office. But I realized I took those negative labels into my adult life. And they were the oh. determining factors for the choices that I made. So it did take me five years to go to college. And to my surprise, and I think everyone else's, I graduated with high honors with an 8.7 Wait a minute. average. Five years to go to college. It took me three years to find it. And then once he found it, it was easy. Could you tell me how to get to the university? <laughs> so I graduated with degrees in psychology, English, education, and a master's in theater arts. And I went back to the same school that I graduated from, where I was voted least likely to succeed. And I was a counselor for kids with behavioral problems. And I taught English for two years and I did comedy at night and comedy was new then. And then all of a sudden clubs started opening up all throughout the country. So it wasn't just performing in Long Island or New York. They're all over the place. And I decided to say, you know what, I'm going to go for it. And I decided to do uh, stand up and I went to Catch a Rising Star, which was the big club then in the city. I did uh, my 10 minutes. And as they told me, I was the only one that did, had an audition that got a standing ovation. So I kicked ass. And that next year when they wanted me back to teach and counsel, I said, no, I'm doing this. And that was, except it was going very well. But then, as I said, as years went by, those negative labels came back unknowingly and everyone else was getting the big breaks and I wasn't. So I read, I went on a quest to better myself. I must have read every self-help book you can think of, as Jeffrey has done. Now I'm talking about Earl Nightingale and you name it all, Napoleon Hill. And I fell asleep with, at the time, they had cassettes on, and headphones on my head. And I went to Tony Robbins seminars. I went to spiritual retreats. And it was at a Tony Robbins seminar, 3,000 people. And I'm looking at him and I take a pen and I write down on the pad, I can do this. And I didn't even know I was writing it. 20 minutes went by and I wrote, I should do this. Another 15 minutes went by and I said, fuck it, I'm going to do this. Okay. <laughs> and I still have that paper in glass back there in a frame. And I went up to Tony and I just said, hey, it's because you, I'm changing my career. And we talked a little bit and I decided to leave stand up to become a motivational speaker. My roommate was Drew Carey at the time. He went crazy. He said, you can't. This is before he was famous, by the way. As a matter of fact, it was three weeks before he did Carson, which was a claim to his fame. And he said, you can't. We had this big argument. I was living in LA. My house is on Long Island. He goes, you're getting so close now. Why would you leave now? Everyone's saying you're going to be the next guy. And I said, well, how can I be close to something that I don't want anymore? I have Whoa. to do this. Yeah. I just feel like I need to do this. So I called up my wife and I said, I'm coming home in a week. And she could tell by the emotion in my voice, because I was scared, you know, because that big mouth inside my head kept saying, you dedicated 23 years of your life to stand up. Now the industry's finally interested in you and now you're going to leave. But I did it. And it was the best thing I ever did. My manager tried to sue me. My agent was begging me to see a psychologist, psychiatrist, and it was the best thing I ever did. Wow. Isn't that crazy? If you live with other people's opinions, yeah, then you're in their world. If you follow your own desires or dreams, at least you're in your own world. Yeah. And, and you, you know what, you, Jeff, when you follow your heart, serendipitous things come your way like you just wouldn't believe. Totally. I got to tell you this. You're going to flip out of this. That day that I left Los Angeles, I said a prayer 
And I was really scared because I was going to do this and I had no idea on how to get in this business. Okay. So I said a prayer and the prayer was, look, I need to know I'm making the right decision. I need a sign and send me someone that can help me to get into this, what I think I'm supposed to be doing. Because that teacher part of me was yearning to be expressed. So I get on a flight from LAX and sitting in first class and to JFK. And I'm sitting next to this distinguished looking guy. He's got a suit on and a fine trimmed silver beard and looked really good. And he's looking at me and I'm saying to myself, man, I hope he doesn't start talking to me because I don't feel like talking to anybody. And he keeps staring and he goes, I'm sorry. He goes, excuse me, but you look familiar. Did I see you? And my Showtime special had just aired three weeks before. I said, well, maybe you saw me on Showtime. Go, oh, yeah, Steve Russo. I said, Rizzo goes, ah, oh. and he's going over my whole life. He goes, man, that was hysterical. And he's going over the whole thing and we're talking. And I became quiet again. And about a half hour went by. And he said, I'm sorry to bother you again. He goes, you know, but I just have a feeling that something's not right. Are you okay? And he said, well, it's funny you should say that. I said, I just made a decision to leave stand up. And I said, and this other thing that I want to do, I know nothing about, but I know in my heart, I'm supposed to be doing this. And I said a prayer before I came here, please send me information, someone to let me know that can help me get into this, to let me know that I'm doing the right thing. And he goes, oh my God. He goes, what is it that you want to do? I said, I guess you would call it. I want to be a motivational speaker. And he starts laughing. I mean, he's howling. And I'm thinking he's laughing at me. He goes, what is this guy, an idiot? He has a promising career as a stand-up comedian. He wants to be a motivational speaker. I said, why are you laughing so hard? He goes, well, I'm the answer to your prayers. He goes, allow me to introduce myself. My name is Al Perinello, and I'm the president of the New York chapter of the National Speakers Association. And this guy took me by the wings. And that's when I met you in North Carolina at my first workshop at the Omni Hotel for NSA, the National mm-hmm. Speakers Association. Yeah, you, wow. weren't that, you weren't that funny that day. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what's funny about that, Jeff? Everybody knew me. I thought I was going to be new. At that time, everybody that was on the board either saw me perform at their theater in their yeah. town or their club, or they saw me on Showtime. So I was already well-known. And then when yeah. I got home, I got a phone call. Remember Vanna Novak? She was from NSA. Yeah. She leaved the message on my answering machine. It says, Mr. Izzo, this is Vanna Novak from the National Speakers Association. You were such a big hit at the workshop. We'd like you to do our convention in six months and give a big workshop for hundreds of the top speakers in the country. Can you do that? I said, yeah, I guess I can. So I did. And that even kicked it up a couple of notches. And that's how everything started. Wow. I know. So you make this tough decision and imagining it was incredibly tough. Oh, yeah. You're not even home yet. And <laughs> you get this carrier pigeon on the plane. Yep. Literally. That's insane. That's amazing. Yeah. And stuff like that happens to me a lot. When I wrote my first book, remember my first book, Jeffrey, Becoming a Human Being? Yep. I wrote this book. And I give it to my friend, Jeff Slutsky. He goes, it sounds like it's going to be a great book, but you need the story of someone famous. If you had a famous person where they told the story, how humor turned their life around the next day, I'm sitting on a plane, I'm sitting in first class and I'm sitting next to this woman that I just dropped dead gorgeous. She had her sunglasses on, but I could tell she's attractive. And I looked at her boarding pass and it was Naomi Judd and I'm talking to her and she, we started talking and she was telling me that she was diagnosed with hepatitis C when she was a nurse and it started to take control of her body years ago and they gave her six months to live. So I said to her, would you say that humor helped you at all to get through this? And she got very emotional. She started crying and she said, Stephen, if it wasn't for my sense of humor, I never would have survived it. I said, would you mind if I wrote your story wow. in my book? <laughs> <laughs> And she gave me her home phone number. I called her up on the phone a couple of days later when I came back from Nashville and we talked and we kept in touch. Wow. Wow. 
Okay. So how does someone listening put themselves, how does our listener create that attraction? Fly in first class, sit next to people and tell them your story. Well, Well, that does seem to be the trend here, but it seems like it happens on the plane. I'm saying first class for a reason because these people were high-end people. That's why, you know what I mean? So yeah, you don't, you're not going to meet anyone like that coach, but I'm not saying it wouldn't have happened. It could have happened somewhere else with somebody else. I think serendipity and those things that we call coincidences can happen anywhere, anytime. And what people have to be aware of, if my negative mood, and I was in a negative mood, semi very anxious, and I didn't want to talk. And I was getting towards anger that this guy was having a conversation with me. If I would have just said, look, I really don't want to talk right now. I can't. I'm not. I could have squashed the seed possibility Mm. of that manifestation process taking root. I could have squashed it. So the thing is that you have to be aware. And the key is, though, Jennifer, to answer it, you have to follow your heart no matter what it is. And talk. And talk. Yeah. I mean, if you don't talk, you you know, you're not going to, I mean, it's not going to happen. If you're looking for serendipity and you're remaining silent, it will remain silent. I have a really crazy question. What? (laughs) What was your diet like when you left Dove Comedy? Were you eating healthy then? I will explain why I'm asking that. In a second. You mean my food diet? What was my yeah, diet? Yeah, yeah, like? yeah. Like, were you eating like a lot of plant organic foods? Yeah, I've always been health conscious. Okay, I am convinced that the more earth-based foods, like non-processed foods we eat, yeah. the better ability we have to manifest and attract what we want in our life. That's why I'm asking the question, because I find that when I eat high-vibe foods, I create that attraction so much more easily. Like the past couple of weeks, I've literally thought about a person in my head. And then within like a day, they texted me. I thought about this lead that we had. I was like, Jeffrey, we have to look up that lead. I forget, you know, their number. We have to find it tomorrow in the morning, 7 a.m. the next day, that lead messaged me on text. Hey, can we connect today? I'm like, yes, why, yes, we can. You know, and it, it just, it happened three or four times in a row over the couple days, similar things. I find that food intake really makes a difference in that. When I oh, first I've... met Jen, I thought to myself, God, I hope she eats plant-based foods. <laughs> <laughs> I hope she likes tomatoes. I swear to God, it was my first thought. I hope she likes keep peas and carrots. <laughs> no, you know what you're saying though, usually people who are on certain diets like that are pretty spiritual in one way or another anyway they're they glowing they're more they glowing you know yeah. and also when you pray the key which is in part of what my book is about but wait, 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 you, because not everyone's watching some people are listening only yeah well you talk about held that. Up a book tell us the title it's conversations with bob it's a timeless entertaining dialogue for living an extraordinary life it took me seven and a half eight years to write this book i started writing it at the lowest point in my life when my negative labels wow. came back <laughs> Fix the dummy. <laughs> I'm waiting for her to put her hand under your shirt and go, say something now, Jeffrey. <laughs> so for those of you who are not seeing this, it's a picture of a guy standing at the edge of the ocean, taking a leak. That's what I don't Jeffrey think he's said. taking a leak. He's looking at That's the what Jeffrey said. I oh, thought oh, that yeah, was hysterical. Me. That's me. They took a photo of me. And I said to Jeffrey, I said, listen, I want a little bubble there and have him say something in the bubble. What should it be? And he says, not now, Bob, I'm peeing. <laughs> <laughs> Bob is God, by the way, folks. Conversations with Bob. Bob is God. Anyway, and Bob talks about that in the book to Bernie, the other character. But yeah. um, Peeing or eating plant-based foods? 
Yes, yeah. the plants, <laughs> yeah, but people who eat that type of food are usually more spiritually in tune with themselves. And they usually pray and they meditate and they have a particular mindset from the moment they wake up in the morning and they have this tendency to know halfway through the day when that mindset is dissipating, how to get back into it again. And they take that mindset to sleep with them again, knowing that when they wake up, still with them and they rejuvenate, it's a process that they have. And that is how, you know, you, you connect to these things that we call coincidences and you got to believe it's going to happen, but not, no, it never happens like you think it's going to happen. I mean, who the hell That's would have true, thought right? that and I was going to sit next to a guy? A- you're a diehard and you're experiencing that midday kind of crash. Yeah. Eat some rhododendrons and you'll be fine. What? Plant-based food. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to. Just... Is marijuana Are plant-based food? No, I, I'm not a squirrel. I'm, I actually was confused when I was younger because someone told me to eat grass and I ended up smoking it which was not oh boy. the right thing to do at that moment in time. Luckily, it was many, many, many years ago. But I understand it's making a comeback. So, back to Bob. <laughs> yeah, the book is out. It came out a couple of weeks ago. You can get it on Amazon. It's really well designed, too. It's easy read and impactful. What's well, your favorite conversation? As I look back at the book now, but I want, I want to show you. Yes. You know, sometimes when you take the jacket off a book, it doesn't look good, but this is what it looks like with the jacket. Ooh. That is awesome. It's pretty Ooh. cool. It's pretty Very cool. Very nice. Yeah. And, and yeah, I heard if tech, you're on listen only, definitely get a copy of this on Amazon. Gold. It's worth it. Yeah. Here's, what, here's, what, here's what every chapter looks like. The big know? kahuna. The big kahuna. So, That's so what's so your... My favorite chapter, favorite it varies from a couple of weeks go by and something hits me. But right now, my favorite chapter in the book is called Believe. And it's about Bob talking to Bernie. Bernie says, I've prayed, but you never answered my prayers. And Bob looks at him and says, yeah, but that's because you pray with the same woe as me negative attitude you have about life. How do you expect to pray for something and not think that the prayer is going to be answered? He goes, Bernard, you can't pray for peace of mind, then get in your car and start cursing at everybody in traffic. And, you know, know, things like that. It's working for me. (laughs) Bob explains to him that there's a mindset before prayer, during prayer. And after prayer, in other words, when you pray and then you leave, a lot of people say, okay, I prayed, man, you know, I know it's going to be answered. A week goes by and then all of a sudden they go on this negative curse talk. Some people call it negative self-talk. I call it negative curse talk because you're casting a spell on your life. They go through mm-hmm. this rampage. I knew this prayer was going to be answered. It never is. Everybody else has what I want. Every time I try to get something, no one ever gives anything to me. You're squashing the seed possibility from that prayer taking root to manifest into what it is that you desire. You've got to believe. And that's what the whole chapter is about, believing. And then the next chapter after that is the formula, where Bob gives Bernie the formula on how to pray. And he tells him, the words are not the prayer. It's your feeling. It's your emotions that really create the prayer. you got to believe it with this. You're really psyched. Like you could see it in your mind's eye that you already have what it is that you want to manifest. And that's what you know, can- I think if we ask our audience, which do you know more of? negative phrases or positive phrases. Yeah. Yeah. I think negative phrases would win 10 to one. Yep. Oh, absolutely. If it wasn't for bad luck, I'd have no luck. Yep. Well, the the sad truth about negative curse talk is that people aren't even aware that they're doing it. It's become a part of who they are. 
They don't know that 97% of their lives is run by their subconscious. Your subconscious runs 97% of your life. And it doesn't know the difference between true or false, right or wrong, or fair or unfair. It only knows information that you program into it. So people go through the course of a week at work sometimes going, I can't wait until the weekend gets here. When the weekend gets here, that's when I'm going to enjoy myself. When I get the respect and appreciation that I deserve, that's when I'm going to enjoy myself and I'm not going to do it one minute sooner. That's absurd. Your subconscious is the genie of your soul. And the genie of your soul is saying, your wish is my command. If you want to wait for the weekend to be happy, okay, fine. Then the universe will send you more crap to piss you off so you can't enjoy that particular day. And think about how this impacts your sales and potential customers as well, right? It's not just, I mean, yes, of course it's about life. And in addition to that, your inner Bob can get in the way or can make the sale. It's really a choice, right? So how do you control that? How do you manage it? Well, that's a good question. It's like you said earlier, I'm called the attitude adjuster. I got that phrase from AT&T many years ago when a comment was on one of the testimonials and said that he's not a speaker, he's an attitude adjuster. So I kept that. And it is all about attitude. And you've heard those stories, those phrases, yep. before. everything is attitude, attitude is everything. It's all about attitude. But you got to realize that your attitude is formulated by how you think every single day, because those mm-hmm. thoughts will create your beliefs, right? And your beliefs, you right? You dedicate yourself to the way you think. Think exactly. it's good, it's good, think it's bad, it's bad. Yeah. So your thoughts create your beliefs. Those thoughts and beliefs will create the way that you feel on any given day. So if you're in sales and you're saying, oh, shit, here we go another day. And uh, I busted my ass last week and the week before and nothing's coming through. Man, that's self-curse talk. You're going backwards. Yeah. You're going backwards. Not going to be a good ending. No, it's not. And you're going to have that energy when you talk to your next customer. So you got to understand your process. The process of life is your thoughts create the way that you feel on any given day. Those, I mean, will create your beliefs. Those thoughts and beliefs will create the way that you feel. And those feelings that you have on that day will determine the attitude that you have. And that's why some people have a bad attitude. The people in sales. There are so many. You have two different ones. You have the ones that have a bad attitude, have a great attitude. They don't take the no's. They just say, hey, we're getting closer to the S. What could I do to turn this around? What could I have done with this customer to make it better? Or whatever it is. There's so many things that you can do. But you've got to watch what you're saying to yourself. If what you think is what you get, then what you say out loud is what you ask for. That was really Very well done. Yeah. Yeah. Can I go now? No, you can't go yet. My feeling is that outside influences can control more of your thought process than your own internal thinking if you let it. So if you wake up in the morning and the first thing you do is watch what happened yesterday, who got beat up in a parking lot, what burnt down, what politicians lying about what thing, it's not going to put you in the right, I refer to it as frame of mind. Yeah. I want to be in a frame, not the mindset, because I think frame of mind leads to mindset. Absolutely. I want to be in the right frame of mind when I get out of bed, because the only thing negative that you're going to get in the morning is I got out of bed on the wrong side. Like, seriously, then fucking get back in and get out on the other side. Yeah. Or don't get out. (laughs) How hard is that to do? Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Well, when people wake up in the morning, especially today, now more than ever, because technology is like overwhelming us. with Oh, yeah. They wake up and the first thing they focus on is the challenging day, if not grueling day, they had the day before, all the fires that won't put out, all the irate people that they had to deal with. And then they start thinking of the stuff. This is before they even take the covers off. Then they start thinking of the stuff that needs to be done on that day. You sleep under the covers? It's cr- you pull what? them up over your head? What kind of a psychological sign is that? Well, what... <laughs> 
<laughs> what you do, you put them over your head and you go, okay, it doesn't bother me now. No. What you do <laughs> right, when you exactly. wake up. When I wake up, Jeffrey, I never think about what has to be done on that day. The first thing I say to myself is, who do I have to be in order to get it done? And before I take the covers off, I create that mindset right there. I create mm-hmm. it. I, it. It takes 30 seconds to a minute. And I start thinking everything I'm grateful for, maybe something I accomplished the day before. The fact that I'm doing a podcast with you guys today. The fact that's that- big. Um, That's huge, by the way. That's Oh, that's huge. I don't think My it gets any bigger well. than that, but keep going. <laughs> yeah. And I think about anything that's juicing me, whatever it is. Maybe somebody did me a favor the day before. I did something good for someone and I find myself feeling good. Yeah. That creates exactly. the mindset. That's a habit. And- and I've done that for so long now that I don't even think about it. And, and to answer your question from the beginning, Jennifer, that's what you do throughout the day. You have to become aware that you're getting into that negative zone. And once you do, you got to say, well, I have some stuff to do today. I got to meet with a client. I got three customers I have to call. If I approach them with this attitude now with this mindset, that's not going to be conducive to being creative or productive. And right there in that moment of awareness, you can choose to shift your way of thinking, gradually shift your way of thinking to create a healthier mindset. It works every time. I'm going to tell you, and I'll show this to you one day. Um, In 1976, I decided to settle in Bean Blossom, Indiana. Uh, Marriage was not going too well, needed a place to stabilize. We were traveling around the country for a year, but I had my attitude with me. I mean, I I literally, I had my attitude with me and I'm writing to myself, writing a letter to myself saying, I'm going to go downstairs right now and floss my teeth. If I could only floss my hair, (laughs) it just set the tone for me. Yep. Yep. That I wanted to end it with humor and it just came out naturally. Wow. You know, that's such a great thing. And I'll even add to that because it's important to have a great mindset before you go to sleep as it is when you wake up in the morning. And Mm -hmm. a lot of people have a lot of stuff on their minds. I'll tell all your listeners and viewers right now, what I do is I go on YouTube before before I go to sleep and I just watch Dean Martin roasts. I watch Forster Brooks roasting Don Rickles, or I'll watch Gilbert Godfrey, the filthiest joke ever told, you know? And I am in my bed laughing my ass off, and I feel really good. You could feel the endorphins, you know? And then I'll just meditate a little bit uh, with a smile on my face. And sometimes it's even hard to meditate, and I'll have to skip it because I'm still laughing my ass off. And I just go to sleep that way, and I wake up in a good mood. We all can do this, every one of us. But we get so it's used. Free. Excuse it's me. free. I would, yeah. also, I would also challenge you that for those of you who are just a little bit older, if you play the right song before yep. you go to bed, and you yep. can find them all now on Instagram, YouTube, wherever. Yeah. That brings back positive memories. Yep. And that positive memory will stick with you for an extended period of time. That's right. So it's a rabbit hole, either humor or music. Yeah. And you put yourself in your own rabbit hole. And you wake up and it's like, you, the first thing you want to do is put your Bugs Bunny shirt on because you're out of the rabbit hole. I agree. Whatever works for you is do it. Just do it. Yeah. You got to right. understand that most of us hang out in the day in the negative zone and they're not even uh, aware that that's where they reside most of the life because it's become a habit. So what Steve Rizzo just said is expose yourself to what makes you feel good. Yeah. And stay in that frame of mind. It's all about feeling good. Everything is based on feeling good. Feeling good, a state of feeling good is at the core of your success and happiness. Everything evolves around that. Feeling good is the fuel every day that drives motivation and inspiration. 
And those feelings are coming, again, to be repetitious, those feelings are coming by what you're thinking every single day. Because those thoughts are creating your beliefs. Those beliefs are writing the story of your life because they're creating the way that you feel. And if you feel shitty, you're going to have a shitty day. Now, that's not to say I know there are a lot of people going through a lot of stuff. And I understand that. But you need to know that you do have a choice on how to respond. You may not be able to control what's happening to you, but you know this. This is old. But you can always control how you think about what happens. You can always control the state of mind that you need to be in. And by asking yourself power questions, you know, what do I have to do to get out of this mood? I have an important day coming up. I have people I need to meet with. It's my anniversary. It's my kid's birthday, whatever it may be. I think your statement of, you know, this is old. Sure. People can know this conceptually, but how well are you doing this is a different question, right? How, how good are you at being attuned to and aware of your attitude and when it goes off kilter a little bit so that you can catch it in that minute? You already know what to do. You're just not doing it. Yeah, exactly. That's a good question. And I don't know. No, the answer is, it is a good question. But that one moment, there will be that one moment when you do catch yourself. Yeah. And here's where you have to be. Here's where you have to notice it. Because that state of awareness, I always say awareness is the key that sets you free. Because as soon as you become aware, and you say, whoa, I am in a mood again. As soon as you do that, the negative rampage stops because your brain can only focus on one thing at a time. It cannot focus on two things at once. So in that state of awareness, you have an opportunity to focus on what's working in your life rather than fixating on what isn't working. You have an opportunity to shift your way of thinking even gradually to something that will make you feel a little better. And that one time that you do it, If you notice how much better you feel, you will simultaneously be sending a message to your subconscious, which, as I said, runs 97% of your life. And your subconscious would say, wow, this is pretty cool. I feel better now. And your subconscious, the more you do it, will keep remembering it until it becomes a part of who you are. And by the way, there are times when I lose it. Seriously. No. Really? No. Oh, yeah. And I let it last. Sometimes it's good just to let it out, even if it's a half hour of, but then go, okay, it's over with. I got to get back to the yeah. real moment. So diehard, you want to go from unconscious to subconscious. Yeah. And that will help you understand that you have this inner feeling and yep. inner capability of writing the ship, correcting your thought, moving forward and telling yourself, I can do this yep. or it can be done yep. or I'm feeling great about this yes. or I know that I can do this. Yeah. 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 And Actually, all that-, that brings us full circle to what you started out with, Steve, with I should do this. I what was it when you were sitting in Tony Robbins seminar? Oh yeah, yeah I can do this. I should yeah. do this. I could do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. becoming aware. You're just becoming aware of who you really are. Your authentic self, your true self, your higher self. I call it your inner Bob, but you can call it what you can call it. God, you can call listen, it you now, want. you're exactly correct. It's self awareness. Yeah. is the key to stepping forward. Yeah, it is. And man, there's nothing more empowering than that. And by the way, some people are going through some intense experiences. If, you know, like, like maybe someone that you love just passed on, or you have a child that's ill, suffering may be unavoidable. But I honestly believe that just suffering can be avoided. And we owe it to ourselves to give ourselves those yeah. momentary sacred timeouts to mm. focus, focus on what can make you feel. It gives you a little push of hope that, wow, I could still smile. It only lasted five seconds, but I could still you smile. You take a suffer buffer. Ah. You know, he, he picks up the, he has a the, suffer that, buffer. That's why I always call him for a phrase. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. You guys are on it today. So I love we're going to take a buffer right now from this episode because it is time for us. We've already, it, these are 20 minute episodes. We're now at minute 50. And so we're going to have two episodes. There'll be Steve Rizzo part one, Steve Rizzo part two, and then who knows, we could get to a part three. Let's do a series. Let's do a series. (laughs) Let's do a series. All right. So I guess we're closing on this one. So I would like to ask everyone, is it all right if I promote my book? You don't buy this book, you're a jerk. (laughs) The book is getting really good reviews. Jeffrey read it. And as a matter of fact, Jeffrey gave me a wonderful testimonial for the book. And you can get the book at the Bob website, Your Inner bob.com you're in a bob.com it has four different excerpts that you could read from that are in the book little samples on what the book is about you can click on to three different word according to bob videos which is bob talking about what the message is in the book and that's all i have to say about that cool. you're in a bob.com we will put it in the show notes and we will have you back for part two steve thank you for joining us and i love three. the both of you tremendously we love you too <laughs> bye See you guys later Thanks for listening to the show. Don't forget to like, share. Yeah, share with both your friends. And subscribe to the podcast. And remember, we have a free 22-day sales challenge. Just go to Gutimer.com slash sales challenge to start you on your way.